The images of riots and violence sweeping across the Netherlands on the weekend of January 24th shocked Europe. The protests went on for several nights, triggered by the introduction of a nightly curfew, tightening the already strict lockdown restrictions, with bars and restaurants closed since October, and schools and non-essential shops shut since mid-December. But the rioters didn't just confront police, they also targeted dozens of journalists covering the protests. In some cases, the attacks on the street were preceded by online threats against the reporters. It's going to be a very short list of these people, these photographers and these journalists. This is the audio from a video that a Dutch model named Ronald Lacken posted on Facebook in which he threatened a group of journalists who reported on the riots. He claims that their names were included in the blacklist and warned them to flee the country, otherwise something, quote-unquote, will be done against them. Or, he says also, that they can stop covering the protests and in that case, they would be removed from the blacklist. These attacks on journalists follow years of extremist propaganda and hateful anti-press rhetoric disseminated on social media by far-right groups. Female and minority journalists have been especially frequent targets, in some cases after criticizing what far-right groups perceive as the traditional values of the Netherlands. One example is the case of Clarice Gagard, a black female journalist who received an avalanche of death and rape threats after she covered the protest against Black Pete, the figure who accompanies St. Nicholas in Dutch folklore. In recent years, the controversial character has rallied anti-racist campaigners in demonstrations all over the country. The current COVID-19 pandemic has only deepened the existing polarization in the Netherlands, which has witnessed the rapid spread of the conspiracy theories, far-right propaganda and a growing anti-press sentiment. Today we will talk with Peter Terbelde, journalist and project manager of the Dutch initiative Press Safety, to shed some light into the context and motives behind the attacks against journalists. And in particular, we will also look at the case of Clarice Gagard, in which 24 people have been sentenced for inciting violence against her on social media. Is all that the end of a dark alley or the beginning of a long road? My name is Javier Luque, and this is The Press Freedom Files. Press Safety is a joint initiative of the Netherlands Journalists Association, the Association of Editors-in-Chief, the Police and the Public Prosecution Office. The organization has recorded 120 physical attacks on journalists in 2020, of which at least one-third are online threats via Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and some via email. I always said this is only the tip of the iceberg. It's it's because there are many more, but not everyone reports himself at, at press safety uh, yet. Um, but now we, so 120 in 2020, 
but now it's almost one a day. So if this will continue for the whole year, we will have more than uh, somewhere between the three and the 400 uh, incidents. So you definitely see an increase and um, that makes it, uh, it very gloomy. This is Peter Thearvelde, a seasoned journalist working for the Dutch public broadcaster NOS and the project manager of Press Safety. He's especially concerned about the sudden increase in attacks against the journalists since the coronavirus pandemic started and the conspiracy theories began to spread. Yeah, the why question is difficult, um, but what we see is that, especially now in the last year since COVID, um, many more people, I call them the new believers in conspiracy theories, um, that has increased a lot. And one of these conspiracies, of course, is COVID, these theories. It, it's, it, it, everything that has to, to do with, with COVID is, is part of uh, one of the conspiracy theories. So people believe it's just a, a, a flu. They believe Bill Gates is behind it. They believe that the governments want a dictatorship, that this is a police state, etc., etc., etc. Well, you know the whole um, um, conspiracy. So, especially this last year, with all the developments around COVID, you see an increase, and this also means an increase increase in aggression and violence against journalists, because journalists are, in their eyes, are part of the government. They are part of the propaganda of the government. Um, they are part of the elite. So that's why they turn against journalists as well, more and more. These attacks seem to derive from an already polarized society. Polls ahead of the upcoming Dutch parliamentary elections in March show increased support for right-wing populist parties, such as the Party for Freedom of well-known politician Gerd Wilders, as well as the Forum for Democracy. The two parties currently hold 22 of the 150 seats in the House of Representatives, but are expected to make gains. Yeah, well, what we see here uh, we have here, let's say, the extreme right-wing um, and extreme right-wing uh, politicians who said, who said also in Parliament that, uh, or in speeches, that the media, the media, um, that they are undermining our uh, society. So, um, so if they say so, then they're followers, they believe it, of course, and they say, yes, journalists, the media, they are undermining a society. So if we as media are undermining our society, what should be done with journalists? Um, I mean, and politicians, they don't say it, but their followers, they say it. So they say that journalists have to be punished, that journalists have to be killed, that journalists are the rats of society, they are the traitors, they are the new Nazis, they are etc, etc, etc. So, um, so of course, the, the certain politicians, and especially the, the, the extreme right, they are not helpful in this 
climate um, in this dark climate against journalists. Uh, on the contrary, they are fanning the flames, and that makes it even more um, more dangerous. The populist rhetoric against journalists is seen as helping drive a surge of online hate and violence towards all journalists in the Netherlands. But the attacks are especially vicious against women journalists and members of minority groups. In fact, in July 2019, the Independent Dutch Association of Journalists published findings of a survey of more than 350 female journalists. Over half said they had been subjected to intimidation or violence in their work. Women who are massively attacked by men only because they are women. Um, I mean, the women, they feel they are afraid. They are afraid to go out of their house because maybe one of these thousands of men, maybe there will be one outside and uh, who will do something against me. Um, so afraid, um, doubtful about their work, uh, not knowing what to do. Um, so the, a mix of emotions angry, upset as well, of course, about what had, had happened to her. I mean, it's a mix of emotions and sometimes with very traumatic um, results in the longer term. The discrimination faced by women or minority groups in the physical world is also seen online, something that Clarice Gagard, a prominent journalist in the Netherlands who has been combating hatred for years, knows all too well. However, before we continue, let's let Clarice introduce herself. My name is Clarice Gerard. I'm a Dutch uh, journalist, columnist, uh, program maker, and writer, uh, social advocate, and um, I uh, work in print media and uh, with uh, broadcasters. And uh, I, um, um, I uh, started my own journalistic progressive feminist platform called Mac, where we address uh, political and societal issues. Um, in a progressive way. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Clarice's case hit the news again last November, two years after she filed a complaint following thousands of threats against her via Facebook. Let's dive into her case. In November 2018, Clarice Gagart went to an anti-Black Pit protest and made a Facebook Live to gather information to later write a report for the media she was working for. The video recording ended up on a right-wing site, sparking an avalanche of violent comments and messages against her. Clarice is now a stranger to these online attacks, having endured them for most of her career. However, this time, the amount was so huge that she immediately looked for help. It was so much, it was so... Um... Uh, violence, the comments, the, the content of the comments, that, yeah, it just, it, 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 I don't even, even know how to say it, it was just very traumatizing um, and uh, uh, painful and um, um, maddening also and raging to see that, that people just thought they could take that liberty and aim that at me and, you know, um, everyone around me. Um, with no consequences, people that would, were just posting with their with their names and surnames without any shame, because that's how privileged and entitled they feel. 
and they think that they that they can just do that without any consequence and that they can you know uh, harm another citizen human being um and threaten them without any consequences and it was very um terrifying in a sense because you know people often say oh it's online so you know um sticks and stones or whatever but that that's that that's that's not how that works you know the thing with hatred is you always feel it even when it's through a screen it's a very intense um emotion intense energy that people send your way you know very violent and and it's also very terrifying because you don't know who is going to act upon those comments so you might be walking down the street and um any random person could be someone that sent you a comment or that feels emboldened by that comment and you then you don't know what could happen they could attack you and i mean it has happened that people have spoken to me um on the street as well so it's just a very unsafe uh, feeling and gives a very unsafe feeling and um so my friends they were the ones that kind of um went through the comments because there were a lot so they made a selection for the police and because it was too sort of um yeah intense and trauma traumatizing for me to do it myself i couldn't go on my facebook for a while uh, i couldn't log in for a while so they did that which was very kind and uh, very helpful and supporting and they sorted it and they sent it to the police they made a selection of things that could be uh you know um could be an actually a punishable offense in total 200 of the 7600 threats directed at Clarice were investigated and 25 people were charged but her ordeal was far from over just two months before the trial started Clarice learned from a story published in the press that the public prosecution department took one of the leading prosecutors of the case following a far right social media campaign which presented the prosecutor a board member of an anti-racist organization as not being an impartial figure. The objective about racism that is something we should or discrimination, you know, all forms of discrimination, that's something we should all be against, but um their interference influenced my trial which is just you know unacceptable and and unprecedented. The removal not only caused a public outcry but also added an extra layer of suffering to an already traumatizing experience. In the process, I also got uh, more attacks and I also got um uh doxing uh, attempts, uh, people that try to uh recover your ad- your private address. Eventually, in early November last year, 24 of the 25 people initially charged were sentenced to community service and fines of between 300 and 450 euros. Most of them, 18, were found guilty of inciting violence and the other six suspects were found guilty of discrimination incitement to discrimination and using insulting language the attacks get another dimension when someone is part of a minority group that is more vicious that is that uh, you know it's it's often a very large in amount very um 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 it's a, a structural problem um So I think that 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 is what makes the difference. So I wouldn't say that others do not receive threats. I just think, you know, when you're part of a marginalized group, a very different dimension gets added to it, which makes it extra traumatizing in a way. One of the most striking aspects of the final sentence is that the judge reprimanded the police officials and the prosecutor involved in Clarice's case 
for their negligence in investigating the case more proactively and thoroughly, and overall, for the lack of compassionate insight. I think all of this in the case, the way it was handled, is a good example of how racism, how, um, um, how institutions, how people deal with racism in the Netherlands. And I think it was an eye-opener for a lot of people. It's just unfortunate that it's always at the cost of, you know, um, um, the, the lives and the well-being of people of color, which in this case was me. So, um, yeah, I can say it's been a, it's been a, it's been a quite uh, traumatizing few years. And, um, uh, I mean, it was my own choice to um, really um, sort of um, be very public about what happened. I, you know, I went to the media, I talked about it, I, I uh, filed a complaint because I wanted to create sort of um, uh, a president. Um, I mean, there have been more cases uh, where people got um, fined for, uh, um, um, yeah, for online death threats against uh, against uh, people of color, against black people, um, but it's uh, um, and, and and journalists, but it's not very um, standardized, you know. And I think the magnitude of my case and also the visibility, you know, the visibility that I have. Uh, ensure that this became uh, more known, became more uh, uh, mainstream, and just added to you know um, those who, uh, who who came before me. So for me, it was yeah, that was the reason that I did this to to also show people that we can have justice and you cannot just attack journalists, and, you know, or activists or people of color because you feel entitled to that. We are also protected by the law if we um, um, uh, yeah, if we try to make use of it. And, um, but yeah, it, it, I, I have to admit that it was at the cost of my own health and well-being. Peter Terwelde attended some of the hearings of the trial to witness what type of people were behind the attacks against Clarice. So I was there because I wanted to see what kind of people are doing this. And they were just ordinary people. It could be you, it could be me. Um, people who had a job, who had a family, um, and of course in, in court they all were sorry about what they did, and they don't have a clue about what they are doing. People who are doing these attacks, they don't have a clue. I mean, they write something in their anger, in emotion, um, close the laptop or the telephone, and go and sit with their children and have a wonderful evening dinner. And they think so. They left their anger at, at Twitter. Um, and now they have the dinner with the kids and have a fun evening with the kids and, uh, and they'll see Netflix. And they already forgot what they did an hour before. Wow. And they don't have a, they don't have an a clue about the results of what they, because they are not on their own. There are thousands of men like you who attack these females. And what I saw in courthouse that day, and also in their, in what they said in court, is that they didn't have a clue about the results. And they of course read about it later on. And it was amazing. It was, it was, and I hope, and I hoped that of course it, it is true that their testimonies will influence others not to do this anymore, but that's all, of course not the case, unfortunately. 
Some critics point to the media as one of the elements that helps spread populism. The number of hours that U.S. broadcasters spent debating how surreal it was that a character such as Donald Trump would be running for the presidency in 2016 ultimately served to help Trump gain popularity and eventually reach the White House. So what have we done wrong as journalists? I asked Clarice. Uh, journalists are not being critical enough and not taking uh, 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 enough of a stand because they think you have to be object- when you, that you have to be objective or that, or that doing your job means you have to be neutral in the face of, you know, violence and extremism. And that is not what doing your job is about. You know, your job is to, um, your duty is to the people and the, and the people are being threatened. And uh, particularly people from marginalized groups that are more, more vulnerable in these countries, that is something you have to take seriously and do something about. The Netherlands will hold general elections in just a few weeks, between March 15th and the 17th. A perfect moment to have, as Clarice says, an honest conversation about the future of the country. First of all, you have to realize what is going on and you have to take a stand against it, uh, report on it on that, uh, in a way that is right and ethical. That doesn't mean you have to you know, demonize people, but I don't think people that are already demonizing themselves need to be demonized. You just have to show what they are and be critical about it. And, um, and I think politicians need to take more of a stand, not to be afraid of pushing away a certain part of the electorate, you know? Um, and, and, and do what is right. And, and, I, and I think um, also it's very important to have this dialogue, these honest conversations about um, what, what your country is, what you thought your country was, or what it actually is, and how a, a, a certain portion of your country is um, uh, being uh, oppressed in a sense, and um, how we can move forward, how you can transform society into something that, you know, that is more hopeful and inspiring. And to do that, you also have to want to go to the dark places. So, and I think if you're not prepared to do that, um, you know, that, that counts for society, but also for individuals, if you're not prepared to face, you know, things that might not be as pleasant or that are a little bit dark, then you cannot move forward. Uh, and you need people that, that are willing to do that and are willing to take the country uh, further. You have been listening to an episode of the Press Freedom Files, an IPI podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to share it. We would like to thank Peter Tjarvelde for his in-depth insight of the political climate in the Netherlands, and especially to Clarice Gagart for sharing her experience with us. Relieving that part of her life is never an easy task. This episode of the Press Freedom Files was produced and prepared by the International Press Institute as part of its Newsrooms on the Line project that look into measures for newsrooms to address online harassment, a project funded by Adesium Foundation. And it's also part of the Media Freedom Rapid Response, a mechanism which tracks, monitors and responds to violations of press and media freedom in EU member states and candidate countries. The project is co-funded by the European Commission. So that's it. You can listen to more episodes in your favorite podcast platform or visit our website, ipi.media, 
and follow us on social media. We are at Global Free Media, both on Twitter and Facebook, and Global Free Media underscore IPI in Instagram. Thanks, and see you in the next episode of the Press Freedom Files.